Hi, everyone. My name is Kate. Hi, I'm Rochelle. And you're listening to ArtWise. I say this every week, but we have another guest. Hi, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) This is our very special guest. Every guest is special, of course, but this is Rochelle. Did you want to go ahead and talk a little bit about what you're about and why why you're here on ArtWise? Sure. Yeah. So obviously, my name is Rochelle. Uh, My pronouns are she, her, and I have been through so many different parts of the art world. I think I started back in 2003. 13. So I'm trained in classical realism. I was an art teacher for a while. I ran those wine and paint nights. And now I'm studying to be an art therapist. Awesome. That's like a lot of things that I haven't done. So that's really cool. Sometimes, um, not usually actually lately, because I've kind of like been doing the same thing for a while. But it's it's pretty rare that like someone is like, I do this, this and this. And it's like nothing I've ever tried before. So that's really um, interesting. So why don't you kind of tell me a little bit about, and everybody, everyone listening, hi, how are you? (laughs) How you began your art journey and like, just like kind of the story of how you got started. So like, I know some people, you know, they've always been an artist. They're like born to be an artist and that's like their goal and their destiny and like what they wanted to do. But some people um, kind of got into it later on. So can you just talk a little bit about like how you got started, like what the story behind that was? Yeah, definitely. So the funny thing is I've always been really into art. Like I did a ton of art as a kid. I took just, I don't even know how many art classes in middle school. And then when I got to high school, I had gone to a different school and they told me, you have too many art credits and we're not going to put you in another art class. So I ended up having to take music. So I didn't do any art like at all, all through high school. And, you know, I was kind of, you know, a mediocre student. So when I graduated, I ended up not going to the school that I had gotten into and I was kind of pretty depressed about it and very much like I failed because the school that I went to was very hardcore like this is the path and you do this you go to a good school you get a good job you make good money that kind of thing so when I didn't follow that blueprint I didn't know what to do with myself but I started going to community college and then I was like, this still isn't for me. And a family friend said, I, I've been taking a painting class. I know you always really liked art growing up. Why don't you just come just to kind of get your mind off of things and relax? And I did. And I ended up talking to the teacher a lot and having a ton of fun. And he said to me afterwards, he was like, I teach at another school and I want you to come check it out. I think it'd be a really good fit for you. So I went to take a look and it's an atelier. So if you don't know what that is, it's like the old fashioned way of learning art. And when I say old fashioned, I mean like really old fashioned, like old masters, old fashioned. So when I stepped in there, I swear it was like going into a time machine. The place smelled like oil paint. There were all these beautiful paintings and sculptures all over the place. All the teachers were like family with each other. And it was really, really neat. It was like this small little community that you could kind of sink your teeth into. And I think because I was going, it was like, you know, every day, Monday to Friday, like nine to five. And it was just, you just do art. There were no grades. It was just, you sit down and you make art. And so the speed with which you learn things when you're doing something that intensely is very fast, which was super rewarding. The only problem with that is I was very isolated to the classical realism sphere. So that was all I saw. That was all I knew. And that was the only art that I thought was real art for an extended period of time because (laughs) that's what my teachers taught me. Yeah, yeah. Which I think that's a pretty big hang up. (laughs) I've, I've learned so much more in deconstructing that mindset than I think I did when I was there and adopting it, especially through the teaching and everything. With that, I don't know. That that fell into my lap too. I didn't. It's <laughs> usually how it goes. <laughs> I didn't expect to teach at all. The, the long and short of it is I pulled a kitten out of an engine block and got a job. It's crazy the way things happen <laughs> sometimes. Like, uh, I sometimes like, 
I feel like sometimes I, cause I have some stories like that too. I, I can't think of any off of the top of my head, but that give me the same feeling that hearing that just got me. And like, I feel like everyone has those moments of, did that, is that really just like happen, happen like that? that and it's, <laughs> it's crazy because you hear other people have the same kind of like stories and it's like, oh, well, you know, that's life. <laughs> I think that's how things are supposed to happen. Because yeah, at least for me, like every single thing that has happened in my life that has gotten me going in the right direction is stuff I didn't plan for. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> always too. something that you don't expect. And you're like, what is this? What's going on? Like getting into art, getting the teaching job, falling into getting into art therapy. That was all stuff that like I didn't plan on, but it's all been really great. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the universe has a way of being like, I know you wanted this, but hear me out. This is better for you. Like, yes. I don't know. That's my experience anyway with things because I definitely coming out of high school, probably like not un, not unsimilar. Is that a weird way to say whatever? Not unsimilar to <laughs> your kind of situation. I too had a school that I wanted to go to. Mine was actually an art school though. And I ended up not going and I, I got super depressed about it and then I ended up doing something else and now I'm so glad that I don't have any student loans so yeah (laughs) yeah and that's I think too just because I didn't do that that gave me the ability to go back to school now yes because if I had taken out all those loans there's no way there's absolutely no way this would have happened like like this for me and especially too like I know when you're young and you're in that like mindset it does really feel like the end of the world. And then you get to a point where you're like, I'm not, you know, doing things the same way that everyone else in my graduating class is doing things. And I, I failed. I haven't gotten anything done. I haven't gotten anywhere. But it's just a slightly different. It's like a detour. Yeah, I completely agree. No, and I, I totally I had friends who went to the the school that I wanted to go to, my dream school, Ringling College of Art and Design. I I have friends who are still currently going. They actually should be graduating this year if they were on track like all four years. I had friends who did that. I had friends who went to university. I don't think I can think off the top of my head of a single person who went about things the way that I went about things. But honestly, I'm really like happy with where I'm at. And and I don't think that like, I, I, you know, I would, hmm, how do I word this? Like I, not to like say that my path was better than someone else's path, but I'm very happy with where I'm at and where I ended up. And I think I'm in a really good place too. And I'm so happy like with what I'm doing and the work that I'm doing. And I feel really fulfilled by it. And I don't think that I would feel this way if I would have gotten what I wanted. So I don't know if you feel the same way, but that's... Oh, I definitely do. I totally agree with that. Like, and I don't know, I guess that kind of leads into like one of the things that I wanted to talk about, which is I, I genuinely believe that every single person would benefit from doing art and like doing art for maybe like an hour once a week, not a huge commitment. And not for anybody, not to sell it, not to get really good at it, just just to sit down and do something, like even if it's a coloring book, just sit down and do something that's just for you and you don't have to show it to anybody. And it really, I think it stimulates your brain and I think it calms people down. I like to say it's something that's like very intrinsically human. Like there's a reason that we have cave paintings before we have written language, I think, because it is a very human thing to do, to sit and, and create and make something. We There's a part of us that wants to and needs to do that, which is part of why I think I was so drawn to the idea of the art therapy, because it's, it's a really transformative thing for people. And I didn't know that until I had started teaching and working with the kids and doing the paint nights. The number of times that I was hosting a paint night and like these, you know, people who were working their nine to five jobs, you know, they're clearly very stressed out. They come in, you give them a blank canvas and they panic. They're looking at it and they're like, "Uh, if I put something on this, I'm going to ruin it. I heard that so many times. Oh, I don't want to ruin it. It's perfect right now. I'm like, no, it's not. It's garbage right now. There's nothing on it. 
It's only good once you've done something to it. And once you've done something to it, you can say, I did that, I did something, and it might not be perfect, but it's mine, and I made that. And it's not for anybody else. I used to tell people when they'd come in, I'd be like, you're not getting a grade. No one's going to fire you. And you don't even have to show it to anybody. Because it's not about the end result. It's about the process. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That quote of the season, quote of the season <laughs> for ArtWise season two. I've said it in past episodes. I'll say it again. Quote of the season was something my art teacher, my high school art teacher, Miss Smith, used to say all the time, it's about the journey, not the destination. It's not a crime to make bad art. And if you need to make bad art, make bad art. Well, she didn't say the part about bad art. I added that. But, but that's true. She, yeah, exactly. I, I wholeheartedly agree with everything you said. It's, it's yeah. There's a well, fear well <laughs> of making bad art. And I know because I had that fear. And I still do have that fear. When you start something, you're like, this is terrible. And then, you know, in reality, it's, okay, well, let it be terrible. What what's yeah. Nothing bad is going to happen if you make terrible art. Here's the definition of nothing. Okay. Thank you, Google. I really needed that addition. That was, yep. Okay. I don't know where she thought I was talking to her, but uh, Google everyone. That's, I'm leaving that in. I feel like that happens to everybody, like at least once a month where like you say something and your little smart home thing will like just chime in and you're like, I wasn't talking to you. I didn't need any more proof that you were listening to me. Yeah, no, Surrey's just randomly chiming in too, like, yeah, and also this. Just a reminder. It's like, okay, thanks, Thank you I guess. for your opinions. <laughs> Don't take so over. So I, we kind of talked about this a little bit, so I'm going to switch up the question that I had planned for you about mm -hmm. a classical realism, because you kind of explained that it just kind of um, fell into your your lap with that that school you went to. So I'm going to kind of switch it up a little bit and ask you, is that still like your main genre that you do or? Yes and no. I'm so glad that I did that. I'm so glad that I learned all of that because in knowing those fundamentals, I can deconstruct them and I can choose to ignore them. Like one of the things that I've heard from pretty much almost every art teacher that I've had is you can't break the rules if you don't know what they are. And that's so important. Like if I'm going to make an abstract face, I need to know proportionally where everything's supposed to be so that I know that if I'm putting it in the wrong place, that that's a choice that I've made. And that's not to say that people that aren't trained in it can't make phenomenal work. They absolutely can. Instinct plays a lot in art, but I enjoy having those foundations because then if I do want to make something look a very specific way, I have the skill set to do so. And if I, you know, want to go crazy and ignore all of the rules, I know what all the rules are. So I can deliberately be like, no, I'm not going to do that because that would make it look right. And I want it to look wrong <laughs> or whatever. Although I do feel, I wonder sometimes if we're heading more towards Realism, again, I think because we had such an uprising when it came to modern art in the past few decades, I feel like there's a there's a shift. And what I've noticed online, like TikTok and stuff specifically, is like people really like meme art. People uh. people love meme art. It's it's like they want to see a really beautifully classically rendered painting with like, I don't know, pop cat or something. I get it. It's hilarious. But I don't know. I can't bring myself. I, I did. I did do a painting of Noodle, though, the, the No Bones Pug. I did a watercolor of Noodle, and uh, I was quite pleased with that. So that's that's my contribution to the meme art movement. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I For me, it's for me, it's like I'll, I'll be having a convert. This literally happened with my roommates the other day. I'm not proud of this, but it's something that happened, okay? <laughs> so my, my roommates are all really into that card i don't know if calling it a card game is the right i don't know anything about it uh magic the gathering magic the gathering yeah the art on those cards is phenomenally done oh yeah stunning beautiful i don't play the game though it's, it's all digital though. <laughs> they used to hand paint it because my dad had a bunch of um decks of those in the basement when i was a kid and he showed them to me at one point and they used to all be uh hand painted and scanned to go onto the card. So they were oh, really? physical paintings. And now, now they're all digital, obviously, because that's easier to upload and email and print and 
all that nonsense. But that was a thing. That's so, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. But they're really into playing that game. So <laughs> I hate this story, but I'm going to tell it because I feel like it relates to what you were saying about the memes. It, even though it's not really a meme, it's just like the, the weird stuff that I like to make. But they have these little like mats that they use when they're playing the game. They're kind of like, I don't know how, what the word for them is, like a mouse pad okay. feeling things. But they're like mats and it's for when you're playing cards. It's so like you have like something to lay them out on. And my roommate bought a new one and she got one. It had like these two frogs on it. Aww. And I was like, oh, I love that. That's so cute. And then my other roommate was like, oh, they have ones with boobs on them and I was like oh the the frogs and she was like no <laughs> the frogs like, don't have boobs like these I bought one like these oh they yeah, have yeah. Ones with, like boobs on them and I was like oh I thought you meant the frogs but that'd be really cool and so you made a frog roommate, with boobs I sh I sure did I love I that I did do you want to see that. it I do want to see it oh my gosh we're doing this yeah I did I because it needed to happen after that because they were like laughing at me like no that's it's not what it was <laughs> that's not what it was and I was like but if it was wouldn't that be cool and so I was like I'm gonna make you a design and I'll upload it to like Redbubble or something and you can like buy it if you want it's amazing. so although I, I feel like that's not not a thing like if you look at animated movies from like Disney or something they all have kind of like it, it's not actual boobs but like you feel like you're like you definitely made that one frog curvier than you needed to. Yeah, I mean, this is horrific compared to that, but this is it. <laughs> I'm not showing anyone this. It's horrible. That's uh, hilarious. Oh yeah, my god, I love it so uh, much. <laughs> the, the frog is holding, because my, my roommate was like, oh, it would be cool if it was holding like a potion. And in my original sketch, I drew like a cup of tea, but then I was like, no, it has to be milk. <laughs> So it's a car. It's holding a carton of milk. That's great. They drew it in like 15 minutes and they were like, what did you just do? And how did you do it so fast? And I'm like, don't ask me. This is my gift that I was born with. Exactly. And I'm just going to use it. That's what I'm not born it's with. It's really what know. the skill set is for. You learn all of this so that you can make the dumb things that pop into your head. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways. It's okay. I spent like a month painting... When I was in art school for the first time, I was probably like 19 or something. And I spent like a month painting a rabbit in a sombrero because I had found the image on like Tumblr or Pinterest or something. And I was obsessed with it. So I do stuff like that too. I do the same thing. It's just like, if somebody says something and then I misinterpret it and they're like, no, that doesn't exist. I go, well, it has to now or I won't, I'll get art block because I won't be able to stop thinking about it and I won't be able to think of anything else. And so I have to just, and that's another tip that I will say, not really related to this episode, but any artist out there, if you think of something in your head and even if it's as awful as that drawing that I made of a frog with boobs holding a carton of milk, even if it's that <laughs> awful, you just have to get it out of your system because you'll get art block if you hold stuff like that in, like bad. Like I, I, I don't make the rules. It's just <laughs> how it is <laughs> It's for me anyway. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there is definitely something to be said for like getting it out. Like, and not even just with ideas, but like feelings too. Yeah. Is really, I think that's really the point of the art therapy. I, I know that a lot of people um, hear art therapy and their first thought is, oh, like, you know, on TV, a little kid makes a drawing and then the expert looks at it and goes, this kid has schizophrenia or like whatever. And it's like, no, you don't diag diagnose people off of their art, but you do help them process through their own stuff with the art. So it's not like, oh, I'm looking at this drawing and I can tell you have issues with your mom. It's more like, let's make a drawing that, you know, uses a color palette that you're attracted to and I might give you a prompt or you're going to come in and just do whatever you're feeling that day. And then either you can choose to talk about it or you can process it internally. It's really, really good approach for people that have difficulty identifying and verbalizing their emotions or their feelings. And it's especially good for people who have, you know, something like trauma or disabilities, and it's hard for them to talk about because it's a way of processing stuff without having to actually talk about it. That's really 
That's really, yeah, I didn't even think about it like that, but that's really true. I will talk more about art therapy later. I was going to bring something up, but I, I, I want to go in, in chronological order. So let's You can always rearrange my, my little <laughs> tangents to just throw them where they belong. I have such a bad problem with like going off on tangents and like that's that's one of them. I'll, I'll remember, I'm sure, when we get back around to the art therapy because I do have a lot of art therapy questions because it's something that I'm very interested in. Actually, for those of you listening, in season one of ArtWise, we do have an art therapy episode. It's episode season one, episode 11. It's called What is Art Therapy? And it just talks about what it is. That's all. There's no guest or anything. It's just talking about what it is. <laughs> But yeah, anyways, I I wanted to ask you a couple more questions about teaching. So yeah, I know you said (laughs) I kind of want to hear the rest of the story because we got a cat topic about the cat. Yeah. Can you like tell me the rest of that? Because so I I, I graduated art school in 2018. And I moved up here to New York to live with my boyfriend. And I was trying to find a job. And I didn't really know what I was going to do because the art school I went to, I got a certificate of completion. So I came out with a whole bunch of skills, but I didn't have a degree. So I couldn't go and be like, here's my degree, hire me, you know? Yeah. And so I was bouncing around trying to think like, okay, well, what do I do? And I had a lot of experience in like retail. And so I was thinking, okay, well, maybe I'll try and like, you know, work at a frame shop or a gallery or something. And I was in the process of job searching and I need to start preface this with the fact that I'm an animal nut. Like, if I go on a hike or a walk and there's any kind of animal, I will stop for like five minutes to look at and talk to and take pictures of said animal. Even if it's a squirrel, I've seen a million squirrels, but I'm still obsessed. So my boyfriend and I were walking home from like a dinner or something. And there was this meowing coming out of a car and there was a guy underneath the car and another woman like standing around really worried. And I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, there's a kitten inside that truck. And I was like, what? They're like, yeah, it's stuck in the engine. So I'm like, okay, well, I have to stop and help now. So after a while, we ended up like kind of doing teamwork. So the guy was under the truck and I was above with the hood popped up and he got the kitten to like pop its head out. And then I had to grab it and pull it out. And, you know, she was all dirty and just this little thing. And so I tried calling like four different places and I was like, will you take her? They're like, a bunch more like, she's too young, but we can't take her because you're not supposed to separate them from their mother. I'm like, she's in a car. Like she was transported here from like three towns over. Like she's not getting back to her mom. Because the guy whose car it was, was, he was selling flowers and he just wanted nothing to do with the situation. So I was like, okay, well, I'll take her. I'll take her home for the night, lock her in the bathroom because my cat's not going to like that. And so I sat down and my boyfriend went to go get some food and a carrier. And I was talking to the woman whose husband had helped me get the cat out of the truck. And, you know, just in conversation, I'd mentioned that I was an artist. And she was like, oh, our daughter goes to this art school down the street and they're looking for new teachers. I'll give you the information. She, she'd love to talk to you. And so that's how I got my interview. <laughs> and so I started and I was originally an assistant teacher for like about a month. And then the other girl left to go to school. So then I ended up running the department and making lesson plans. And I was teaching kids from ages like five to 16. And then wow. occasionally adults on certain days of the week. That's awesome. That That is crazy like how that happened. That's a really interesting story. I will Um, tell you, I learned more from those kids than, I don't know, I had in a long time. They have this kind of intuitive recklessness when it comes to art. There's no fear there until you get to about, I want to say maybe like 10 or 12 is when they start absorbing all the anxieties of like adults and and the world around them of like doing things good but the young the young ones they just they just create and they don't think about it and it's awesome it's awesome to watch and I remember I had a student come in and he was only there for like a day but this kid I guess he he was apparently like really into elevators like very passionate about elevators I, I don't know. Elevators. You know those oh kids gosh. that just get those really niche interests? Like I did have yeah. a dinosaur kid, but this this kid came in and he was obsessed with elevators. He could tell me like models, years they were made, <laughs> how they that. ran, like how many different floors there were, like all this stuff. 
And so he told me, he was like, I only want to draw elevator buttons. I have a drawing of elevator buttons on my Instagram. Really? (laughs) Yeah, it's a weird coincidence. But yeah, I hate elevators. But But there it is. Yeah, I... Not long story short, AP art. I had a concentration. We ha- I had to do like a series of works that were all related, and I did it all interiors of things. It's like the insides of things. So I did the inside of an elevator. But anyways, continue with your story. Sorry. Yes. No, I that's great. It's like weird coincidence, but that's so funny. I hate See? elevators. Though. It's a thing. It's a genre. He was he was so into it. I was like, who am I to tell you no? I'm not going to tell you no. You're so excited about this. So he made maybe five or six pages of elevator buttons. And by the time his mom came, he was still furiously drawing. And he was like, I need to add more floors. I, I just, there needs to be more floors. I need more buttons. She's like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to use the bathroom. And when I come back, we're going to go, okay? And he's like, okay. So she leaves to go to the bathroom. And he sits forward like this. And he gets really low. And he whispers to me and he goes, I hope she's pooping so I have more time. <laughs> I just lost it. I couldn't. I was like trying not to show him, but I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> this is a really weird episode of Art Wise <laughs> so far. I'm here for it though. I'm here for it. I have it. more. There are so many. <laughs> like the other story that I really, really like is I had this, this kid who was doing a landscape. That was the assignment, right? And I was talking to a parent and he came over and he's really concerned. And he goes, do I have to make the sky blue? And I was like, no. He was like, I don't. And I was like, no, you can make it whatever color you want. It's your picture, you know, and, and maybe it's a pretend place. Maybe it's, you know, another planet. We don't know. Plus, you know, the sky is not always blue itself here. We have sunsets and stuff. And he got so excited. He started like jumping and he goes, so, so can I make it purple? And I was like, of course. And he runs back and he makes a really, really dark purple sky. I mean, like, it was like plum. It was very deep. Just his enthusiasm made me so excited. I went home and I made a landscape with a purple sky. This I love these stories so much. I, I see, I wish... I've always had like an interest in teaching, but I only have an associate's degree. So I never really had like the chance to teach in in that way. I was offered like a substitute teaching job, but I end up not taking it because, you know, like money and stuff. Right. You know, but um, I have like this side hustle that I do. I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast before. So everyone gets to learn something new about me. But I I have this side hustle. And it's this website, uh, tracks.app. And it is like YouTube for kids. And I'm a content creator for the art section. And I just make these little videos with like little art tutorials, like how to how to draw this, like whatever, I don't know, dumb art lessons and stuff that I learned that I really enjoyed as like a younger kid. But I get to see like the work that the kids do from the video. So like they'll watch a video and then at the end I'll be like, okay, now it's your turn. Send in a picture of whatever you do. And I have had a couple of my lessons do really, really well with like, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of kids submitting pictures of their artwork to you know, this like lesson that I've done. And some of them are just so like funny. It literally makes my day. It's it's so worth it to like work with like children. Cause like what I really like resonate with what you're saying about kids, like really not like they're like un- untamed in a way when it comes to like creativity and art yeah. and like Artists are people who I feel like never really lose that, or at least for me, I I don't really feel like I ever felt like ah, oh, there's rules. Like yeah. I, I gotta <laughs> do the adult day. stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> no, still don't. Uh, Nobody I'm does. Not. I think that's just something that like we tell ourselves and we tell each other is like, okay, you gotta grow up and do adult stuff. It's like you can be an adult and do not adult stuff. I think it's really important. Part of creativity is play. And if you don't have fun and like feed that little inner child, you're going to get so bored and so burnt out. It's not worth it. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree. So 
another question in regards to teaching that I have is just like, how, how do you feel that teaching has helped shape you, you personally as an artist, like your work, your art? Do you think teaching has um, helped like encourage you in like your path towards art therapy or even like has it changed your style of how you do things? Has it kind of like opened your mind to other things? Like I, I want to know the, the deeds. Yes to all details. of those. I definitely wouldn't be making the art that I make now without having had those experiences because it was like I said like I went home and I did a purple sky because of that kid like I tried things that I wouldn't have tried because the kids in my classes were so passionate and so excited the art therapy was it the way that I got drawn to that was it was a two-pronged thing so one obviously COVID I, I lost the teaching position because they had to shut down completely but also it was in seeing how much of a difference it made for the people that I taught, in not just the students in the classes, but in the paint nights, it was like a safe space, if that makes sense, for people to come in and not worry about anything else. Some of these kids were from really high pressure families where, you know, they were expected to, you know, perform all the time and do amazing stuff all the time. And so there was a lot of tension and they were super anxious. But when they came into the class, I wasn't giving them those restrictions. It was sit down and, and here's a general outline of what we're wanting you to do today, but I want you to have fun with it. And so I had a lot of the kids tell me, like, this is my favorite thing because I don't have to worry about, like, the grades and stuff. And I, I can just kind of make stuff and it's fun and I can talk to people. And that was really, really special for me because I wanted – that to be a place for them to come and, and not worry about the pressure of it. Obviously with bureaucracy and like the way we ran the school and everything, there were some things that they wouldn't let me do or that they, they required that I do that I didn't want to for the kids. But just seeing how much of a de-stressor and like how much of an important aspect that was in terms of like opening their minds and, and having a, a time and a space where they could do something that wasn't like nothing was really expected of them. This mean the same exact thing with the adults. It was actually quite hilarious to see all the similarities between the two groups. You get these really stressed out, you know, corporate adults, and then you get these really stressed out, like overachiever kids, and they're they're so similar. They're so similar. They're like, I want to copy that. Like, can I just copy it exactly? And I'm like, no. Use your, <laughs> use your brain. Like, come up with something yourself. Have fun. Like, and they're like like what I'm like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna have to push you a little bit like I remember I did I was doing a paint night one time and there was this woman and she was just frozen she's completely stock still just staring at the canvas I'm like are you okay and she's like I'm gonna ruin it I can't I can't I can't do it and I'm like you're not gonna ruin it I was like nothing bad's gonna happen and so I took my paintbrush and I put a big smear of paint across the middle of her canvas. And she panicked. She's like, oh my God, what have you done? And I was like, I ruined it for you. Now you can't make it worse. <laughs> oh my God. And she was like, oh my God, oh my God, what do I do? I'm like, it's paint. You can just paint over it. It's fine. Don't worry. But by the end of that, she had this massive smile on her face because it, I mean, it took the whole class, but she did let go. And she was like, you know what? Maybe this does look kind of cool. And I'm like, yeah, I guess what? You did that. That wasn't there before. You got to make this thing and now you can look at it and, and be proud of yourself. I don't know. There's just, there's something really special in seeing somebody who, who puts a lot of pressure on themselves. And I, like, I know what that feels like because I did the same exact thing. You put a lot of pressure on yourself and you want everything to be perfect all the time to just remove all of that crap and say, it doesn't matter. Just do anything. Yeah. And if you hate it, throw it away. I I completely agree. I have been both the stressed out, gifted, overachiever kid and now the stressed out corporate adult currently. And I still feel like that. And what's worse about my job is if I make a design that's bad, it, 
it's still going to get printed on like millions of shirts. So you have to live it, with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes you have to because I, so I'm a production artist and I'm not a creative artist currently at my at my current eight to five job. So I I don't design things, but I work in sports and my job basically, I think I've, I've said it on this podcast a few times before, but NFL They'll do like one team and be like, this is what the design should look like for all the other teams. I take it, swap out the logo, swap out the colors, swap out the city name, team name. Sometimes what looks good for one team is just not going to look good for another team. And there's absolutely nothing that I can do about it. Mm. It doesn't matter how good I am. It doesn't matter if I can't change the design for this logo that's like asymmetrical it's only going to look good with like a symmetrical logo or with a shorter team name like there's not always <laughs> a way to make things look good and i think that's something that a lot of artists by profession struggle with too is that well yeah you, you say like it doesn't have to look good but when you're doing it for money and someone's paying you for it and you know they're going to yell at you if it doesn't look good and you're going to get nearful and then you're going to feel really bad about yourself for the rest of the day and then you're going to spend six hours fixing it it's like it's a little bit harder to be okay with things not being perfect when you're getting paid for them to be perfect and there's pressure yeah. And there's pressure, exactly. So I. Which is, I, I mean, it brings me back to like the point of like, you have, like, even if you are an artist by trade, like, and that's your, the way you're making money and stuff, that's why you have to have the space for the crappy art. Yeah. Because if you don't get it out, it's going to like creep up on you, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like, like you're saying, you know, these are logos and stuff. It's like you're not getting to express yourself it's more of like a very structured type thing (laughs) so like yes it's art but it's not coming out of your soul yeah which is I know that's kind of like a hokey thing but I think that's so 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 important like maybe that means you have to make six awful looking things or you have to do the same project four times before it gets to a point where you like it but that's that's part of it like that's you know I don't know it's it's the same way as with life like you can't have the good without the bad like you're not gonna get awesome art unless you make some terrible art yeah I have made my fair share of bad art but I also I've I've made some stuff that is really awesome too and you know I think that that's like something to be said for all artists. I know that most of the people who listen to this podcast are artists. So it's just kind of my way of saying, or my way of kind of bringing in like there, there's like perspectives on art. That's like, it sucks. But sometimes when, especially when you're making something for someone else, it's like not okay to give them uh, a product that's bad but to to what you said I think you're absolutely right there has to be a place for the bad art for the weird art for me to make a frog with boobs so that it doesn't show up somewhere Somewhere else else. (laughs) yeah exactly because it will it will show up totally will and it might should not show up in the form of a frog with boobs but (laughs) But that frog needed to exist or it was gonna haunt you I know. I can't wait to like order a mouse pad with it. I have no idea what I would do with it, but that's what it is now. So I think you need to make it like an iron on patch or like a sticker. That would be a good idea. I don't, I don't know who would buy that sticker. It has human eyes too. I don't know if you can see that. (laughs) I didn't see that. That makes it so much better. I don't know if it's better or worse, but I like it. My favorite thing to do if I'm trying to like, because I I really enjoy shocking people with my art. Not all the time, not not always, but sometimes it's like <laughs> I just want to make something that makes someone go, "Why this?" And I go, "Why not this?" Isn't it? Yeah, that's uh, such a fun thing to do to just make something that's so insane. That everybody's like, "What?" Yeah. Or or even better, if somebody gets angry about it, like. I think that's the best. Oh, yeah. Some people will get pressed over something so stupid. They'll be like, I can't believe you made that. And it's like, well, I did. And you better believe it because it exists and there's nothing you can do about it. 
that's I mean and the one thing that like I I really like to say especially when it comes to like art history and things like that is any reaction is a, is a reaction it's a response and if the art has elicited a response in you regardless of the quality or the content then it's capable of doing something it's capable of doing something to you so it the artist succeeded you yeah. might be super angry but that artist still won <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> you responded and to and saw their work yeah the past like five episodes that i've recorded and at least every every guest that i've had it, it wasn't even me this time it's gonna be me <laughs> it's my turn uh the past like five guests i've had on have somehow managed to mention the comedian the the banana taped to the taped to the oh wall oh my god <laughs> i don't know why it keeps coming up but i feel like it's relevant in this situation that made so many people so angry and it's like it's art you can't even argue it because it made you so mad like yeah no i love it such yeah. a good idea i wish i had thought of it truthfully. right it worked, didn't it? <laughs> Is it absurd? It sure Absolutely. Did. But everyone talked about it. Yes. No, I, yeah, we have an episode in, se of, in season one about the comedian. I believe it is episode number, looking for it now, 25. Season one, 25, comedian, the definition of art. It's all there. And season one covered a lot of ground, actually. Like, I'm yeah. kind of impressed that we managed to do it. We have, like, an episode on everything. But, yeah, no. Uh, I enjoy putting human eyes on animals that aren't human because it just automatically makes things uncomfortable. Hmm. It's my favorite. <laughs> Speaking of, you know, something completely different from than what I was just talking about, because how would I tie this into the next thing I'm going to ask you? I literally can't come up with a way. Yeah, transition. Anyways, <laughs> I want to learn more about uh, using artwork as therapy. So can you just talk a little bit more about that? Because we haven't really touched on that in detail yet in this episode. How can art be used as uh, therapy? So there's a bunch of different ways obviously and like I'd said a lot of art therapists like I have some books on it you know you can get like a prompt and then you can kind of dissect your own work but one of the things that I really like to do is kind of it's like free association but it's on paper so you have everything out in front of you and you just without thinking you just kind of grab and you do and you let whatever it is show up so as a result in those particular pieces, I call them like my intuitive art pieces, there's a lot of text because any thought or fleeting idea, song lyric, limerick, whatever that pops into my head, I'll write that down on there too because I've already got the pen in my hand. And it, it does lead to some visually interesting stuff, I think. And it's also very thought provoking because there's so much going on. And the best part is once you've gotten it out on the page, it kind of makes a little bit more sense. Sometimes it's very nonsensical and you don't know what it is. And then you're just like, okay, that's a thing. I'll let that be there. And maybe we'll come back to it later. Or maybe it's just done now. I don't know. But one of my favorite stories. So when I found out that, that this was something that I wanted to do, I went online and I watched a bunch of TED Talks from professionals in the industry. And there's one, I can't remember her name right now for the life of me. But she comes out and she's talking about this little boy that she worked with. And she says that he came in one day and he was really upset. And he just sat down and he colored an entire page black. And then when he was done, he said, well, that's really dark. And he threw it to the side, grabbed another page and started drawing a flower. <laughs> and I just think that's such a, a wonderful illustration of, of what it can do is like once it's out of you and on the page then you have the space to either address it or move on that's that's really cool actually I never really thought of art that way I've always had like a goal and I'm not proud of this well I'm not not proud of it it's just kind of how I've been doing art my whole life um not I'm not saying god that sounded like I'm not proud of this this is horrible no I, I've been I've been an artist for like ever and it's just what I do and it's like sometimes there's no reason for it but I've never intuitively sat down and I, you know I've heard of art therapy and I've actually like kind of tried to seek out a therapist who specializes in art therapy but I was never able to find anyone like near me which is crazy because I feel like 
they should be everywhere. Now you should probably be able to find somebody online. I'll keep looking and, you know, hopefully I find someone eventually at some point. But I've never really, my art <sighs> has never, not never, I, I shouldn't say never, but not usually does it come from my feelings. It's usually something really stupid or it's for work. <laughs> Right. Or it's for an art show that I specifically had to make something for or it was for school. But it's rare that I will sit down and make something that like comes from like the depths of my soul. But it's something that I really think would help me a lot. And I think I'm like super interested in trying out and it's it seems like it would be really helpful. I you know, I have done like the intuitive pieces where like I have a few paintings like up on my Instagram that have like some things that I just wrote that I was thinking about as I was, you know, drawing whatever I was making. I don't know, this like I have a few of them that are just drawings with pencil and then like I painted over top of it just to make it look more finished. And then I was like, I'll put that on Instagram, even though it's like my innermost thoughts and I don't want people to know whatever. Yeah. I'll, I'll post it. Sure. But it's like rare for me. So I, I find it like super. It's very like, I'm, freeing. And I know yeah. I think there's a lot of people, I would say probably most people, you know, including myself for most of my my time making art you go into it with an intention you say I'm gonna make this thing and then you sit there and you make that thing and there's something a little bit it starts out you're a little bit terrified of it but I will say it's one of the greatest things that I've ever done to just kind of just sit down and be like I don't know what I'm doing but it's happening because you learn a lot about yourself and you learn a lot about the kinds of things that you can make without even knowing that you have the ability to make things that look like that because you're not thinking about it, because all of those stressors and the stuff that, like I said, the pressure and the perfectionism and stuff, you can kind of ignore it. Because if you go into it with the idea of this is trash art and I'm making trash art and it's going to go in the trash, you can change your mind afterwards and not throw it in the trash, but it removes <laughs> yeah. all of the pressure. So, you know, and I, I think too, like there's a lot of psychology behind color so like, that's always a really fun thing to play with as well as like, why did I pick these colors? Where are they going? What are they doing? And I know, especially for when you, when you first start, it's very hard to like, where do I start? And you can very easily kind of give yourself a framework. You can either put a shape down and say, I'm either only going to go outside the shape or I'm only going to go inside the shape. Or you can do blobs of paint and then be like, okay, I'm going to turn each of these blobs into something and draw over top of them. Those are really good ways to kind of dip your toe into it without having to commit to no boundaries. That's interesting. So another question that I had too was because I don't I don't know like too much like I know like the the bare bones of like what art therapy is, but I was curious it, as to if it's used alongside other therapies or if it's just kind of its own thing. Like, you know, there's a bunch of different kinds of therapy like cbt psychodynamic there's like is is it just usually used alongside other things or I is think it just it's like usually alongside other things but it's it's an interesting you'll see a lot of it in things like senior homes or prisons or for like uh wounded warrior project like veterans things like that because these are people that are dealing with stuff and like if someone has dementia you know they're not gonna be able to navigate your traditional talk therapy quite as well. But it is really effective alongside other forms of treatment, especially for things like I said, like wounded veterans. So they might be getting physical therapy, they might be getting talk therapy, but it can help unlock stuff that you're not able to deal with verbally. Obviously, every like patient, every person is going to be different. So some people might do one and not the other. I, my personal belief is like as somebody who's done therapy and somebody who's done a lot of like reading on psychology and things like that, I think it's probably best when done, you know, in tandem with other things, because then you can take what you learn from one and apply it to the other. Yeah, that's true. Think of that, but yeah. yeah. But I know there's a bunch of programs that will do things where they take art, art therapy concepts and, and art 
programs and they bring them to places like, you know, senior homes, assisted living facilities. What's the, I can't remember, the, like the long-term care facilities for terminal patients. Yes, hospice. hospice. They do it for hospice and they do it for prisons. I think it's especially helpful for juvenile institutions. They do a lot of uh, art programs in mental health clinics to help with, you know, whatever they're going through. It's a great starting point for people that can't talk to. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. But that's true. I think I did when I was looking for someone who specializes in art therapy, find an art therapist who she also specialized in other things as well. But her main thing was like autism spectrum disorder. And I, I didn't even think about that. But like non nonverbal people on the spectrum that probably would be really, really super helpful. Wasn't even thinking about that. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's kind of magical. I'm like, so I don't know if you've heard of music therapy, but that's like another similar approach that's not quite as clinical, but allows people from for varying purposes to kind of dip their toe into something that's pretty healing. You know, they do it with animals as well. They'll have people mm -hmm. come, especially children will really benefit from it. They come in and they work with the animal. They have a, a program for prisoners where they train and rehabilitate dogs. And that's been really, really effective program for a lot of inmates. And it's reduced the rate of recidivism because they're completely committed and devoted to their relationship with this animal after that. That's, again, another tangent. But <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm really curious, too. This is this is like my last art therapy question since we're kind of coming up on an hour. And then I have one more question after this and then we'll wrap it up. But are there like specific instances that you can think of? where art therapy is like the most beneficial form of treatment. Like, can you think of like, just like a hypothetical situation where you would say, I would do art therapy for that person. I think this, that's, that is what's going to help them the most, like, as opposed to like just doing regular old like CBT. I'm going to say this because it's my own personal experience, but I think stress and perfectionism, anxiety stuff. I mean, that's something that I've dealt with my whole life and I've, done a lot of different types of therapy. I've done exposure therapy. I've done cognitive behavioral therapy. You know, I've done your traditional talk therapy. And it was in trying to get that voice to shut up and like sit down and just make something without putting those restraints on myself that I was mm -hmm. able to kind of be like, oh, okay, you can relax. You can let go a little bit. And like, I definitely saw that with, like I said, like the paint night students is your anxiety and your stress level will go down immensely once you take away the pressure. And once you see that it can happen, like at all, then you can start to apply it to other parts of your life. That's just my personal opinion, obviously, and I'm not, I'm not licensed yet or anything, but <laughs> start that with a disclaimer. I am, I'm only in school. So I'll put that in the description too. <laughs> Student. We can still talk about This is not medical it. advice. I don't think even if you were licensed, I don't think it would be a good place to give medical advice on a podcast, right? To the general public, but well, you know, we can still it's talk the about internet. It. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my last question that I ask pretty much everyone <laughs> on the podcast is: What advice would you give to? like your younger self regarding your art journey, or even like a beginner artist who's in a similar kind of headspace situation mindset that you were when you were first starting out in, you know, getting into art. Is there like any advice that you can think of that's like, I wish someone had said that to me when I was still learning, when I was younger, when I was just starting out? Stop trying to control it. It's, it's not going to be perfect. You can sit there and you can try and make it perfect. And you might get really, really close, but it'll never actually be perfect. But that, that's the beauty of things that you make yourself. You're not a computer. There's going to be something that's not exactly right about it. You can go to the museum and like, this is one of my favorite things. You go to a fine art museum and if you get stuff at the right angle or like you look, you know, in the right way, you can see where the old masters made mistakes. You know, you can see oh stuff gosh, that they covered yeah. up under the paint. You can see, oh, that eye right there is a little higher than the other one. It's a gorgeous eye, but it's a little higher than the other one. I think there's something really precious in that. And it was something that terrified me before. It was like, I, I was like, okay, well, what's my style? What, 
you know, what's my main medium? What's, you know, you don't need to restrict yourself to any of that. You can do 12 different art mediums. You can do mixed media. You can do whatever occurs to you in the moment. There's a reason that artists hoard art supplies because you have a fleeting idea of like, oh, maybe I'll try pen and ink. And like, either it works or it doesn't. But if it does, then you're like, you have something new to play with because it's about play and it's about exploring yourself. Things like style and, you know, mediums and, and things that you gravitate towards, those will come with time. The only way that you're going to get what you're wanting out of art is to just make more art. You learn more about yourself and about the work from making more and more and more and more. I love that advice. Such good advice. This is such a good podcast. I know it like that sounds like I probably shouldn't say that because it comes across <laughs> as like, oh my God, I made this podcast and it's so good. But like <laughs> recording season two by myself without a co-host, I was kind of nervous because this is the first podcast season that I have done solo. But like just listening and like recording with everyone and you know getting season two ready to be out there has just like I just know that if and I'm I made this podcast for like a younger me and I just yeah. wish that I could have a time machine so I could go back and be like just listen to this it's gonna be fine don't worry about it Caitlin it's gonna be fine stop freaking out yeah it's gonna be fine and that's like that's another thing too is that it's the, the putting yourself out there like I was yeah. terrified to start doing stuff on TikTok and like I I love my videos. Like, I know that sounds ridiculous, but like, I'm proud of them. And even if they only get like 10 views, that's 10 people that I wouldn't have reached otherwise. That's 10 people that now know about, you know, whatever it is I was talking about. Because I go from the gambit of like, look at my cute cat to, you know, here's how I draw figures. And then I also do like, keep making art. Your art's really good, whether you think so or not. But that whole like, you don't need to be afraid to put yourself out there and, and stand up and do things. There is something that's really terrifying about being an artist because you are sitting there like, here's my soul and here's my heart and here's everything I think and feel. Judge me. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's worth it because you don't know who you're going to reach, especially when it comes to the internet. I, I do believe that it will reach people that it needs to reach and they will find it and it will, it will, bring something to them. It will do something to them. There's a reason that you feel the urge to create things that you do. We're all more alike than we are different. So you will connect, your work will connect with somebody. Absolutely. We're at a little over an hour. So I think it's, it is time, self-promo time. <laughs> so if you want to go ahead, all of your social media, where people can find you, any way that they can support you buy art from you, cool projects you're working on, services you literally anything that you want to promote now is the time to do so. And all of this stuff I will include links to in the episode description for anyone who wants to go check it out. But go ahead. Go ahead. So most of my stuff, I'm, I really pretty much only post to TikTok and Instagram. So that's Arlem Artist and Rochelle Artist. Let me just check my... My website, I have a website, but it's kind of... I, I need to update it. It's really, really out of date and old. But my Instagram is Arlem Artist and my TikTok is Rochelle Artist. And yeah, I don't know. I do do commissions and I've worked in... I mainly do painting and, and drawing right now just because of the way my apartment is but I've also done sculpture I love making work for people and with people so if anybody wants like a painting of your dog I'm really I can almost sort of specialize in animals because that's what I have the most practice with I, I just really want to create like a community online that encourages people to make art regardless of what it is I just want to be like hey it's it's worth it do it try it so most of my stuff is very much like yeah, go make art. Yeah, that's my website is also Arlem Artist and my Gmail is the same. Amazing. Outstanding. 
Speaking of community building, doesn't exist right now currently because I recorded every episode of ArtWise. Literally, I, I crammed all of it into like the span of two months. I don't know why I do this to myself. But anyways, we're recording this in February. But by the time this episode comes out, which probably will be May, by the time this episode comes out, there will be a Discord for ArtWise. So a lot of the guests I know, and you're more than welcome to join the Discord if I'd you are... To into that but a lot of a lot of the guests i've had on from season two are going to be a part of this discord and literally anyone who listens who wants to interact with everyone who's been a part of this season of artwise is more than welcome to find our discord i'll include that in the description and also we do have an instagram at artwise podcast only if you're like about behind the scenes stuff and episode announcements because that's the kind of stuff that we post on there but other than that five stars on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify, wherever you're listening, would really help us out and get us to reach more people. But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you again, Rochelle. It was so much fun. I loved this episode. Literally, like I could I could cry. Such a good episode. Literally, like we have the best podcast in the whole world. I'm like not gonna lie. It's been great. It's been really nice. And you know, I, I love that also that I got this through TikTok. Like how fun is oh, that? Oh yeah. I I love the TikTok art community. It's just so supportive and fun and I've gotten so much great advice from there and I've seen so much cool stuff and I just yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. It really is. It's it's, it's insane. Thank thank you guys so much. Thank you again Rochelle for coming on. It's it was an amazing episode and I will see all of you guys again next Tuesday. Bye everyone. Bye.